clap. We're going. There's your. Okay. Cool. There's your... <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> That's cool. Welcome to Growth, episode number one the downloads folder. All right, dude. Sorry. So we're, we're, we're recording this. We're live now officially, and we're just going to jump into it. So why, one, are we even starting this podcast, even though we apparently both geek out with podcasts way too hard. So that's somewhat already known. And two, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> that's the million dollar question, right? I know, right? I mean... We've decided nothing. This is <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I'm sitting here. I'm like, oh, I have an answer for this, and I'm like, no shit. Maybe I don't. Um, yeah, there's gonna be a lot of edits in this first episode. <laughs> no, it's good. I love it. I mean, you know, when we when we had originally chatted about this, however many months ago, I think we wanted to branch beyond just the typical Amazon conversations that everyone already has in many different forms in many different places. Like, I feel like a lot of that's pretty tired. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's helpful. I, I I don't doubt that there would still be value there, but I think there's a lot more than just the rules and regulations of Amazon that doesn't get covered. Yeah, I mean, because really, if you look at it, not a whole lot has really changed. Like, sure, tactics change, but the business model itself has not really <laughs> evolved much. And so, you know, from my perspective, I was running the wholesale made easy podcast, which you know, fun fact is only for wholesale Amazon sellers. So that's very yes. niche. And yes. there's only so much you can talk about and only so many people you can interview related to that topic. And as I evolved more myself and the audience began to grow and evolve their businesses, there's so many things that I wanted to talk about that really just will not fit within the wholesale quote unquote made easy <laughs> kind mm -hmm. of branding. And I mean, I want to talk about like automation. Like I'm literally geeking out right now with automation, like off the shelf stuff, like cheap stuff, like the amount of automation you can get for under a hundred dollars on a Mac is astounding. It's fantastic. It's great. But like, I can't really talk about that stuff because at least within that podcast, it's more advanced. Right. And so I felt weird about it for like multiple months and kind of just backed out of the podcast slowly. It was like, okay, well, I'm not sure what we're going to do here. <laughs> we're just going to figure it out. I'm going to take some time. And then me and you started to talk. And it's been like probably three months, which is totally my fault because I've been dragging my feet on this, um, which is why this week we're like, I'm like, hey, let's just get, put it on the calendar and just record. <laughs> like, let's just get into the, the, the habit, the routine of it, the motion. Um, so like from my perspective, it's, it's a way to where we're not really limited in what we can talk about, but it's still within, it's within like selling, it's within e-commerce, it's within business, but it's not just Amazon. It's not just e-commerce that's kind of cool to me yeah for some for context for those listening the the very first time the topic of a podcast came up in our conversation was when i was interviewing dylan for the uh the aura article that i wrote on sellerjournal.com and that got posted on september 30th it is now march 19th it's been a hot minute. Um, I have zero excuses. That's the sad part. Um, yeah, it's man, it's crazy. It's it like made me sad how much time had really went by when I looked at it. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like I am the bottleneck. For a while, I started wondering, is is this even going to happen anymore? Like, and then I started thinking, 
did he find somebody else? Did he leave me? Like, I think, like <laughs> these weird, almost like relationship level concerns. Like, I totally get I, it. Why am I feeling this? So like, I, I, it, it, it was me? entirely in my head. I'm just like, you know, Dylan basically ghosted me for, I don't know, almost two or three months <laughs> at least. And then he's like, Hey, let's do this. And I'm just like, like, Oh, oh okay. he is alive still. Yeah. Okay, cool. Man. You know, and it's funny too, because so for context and we'll kind of go like, this is probably a good transition to go into like, who I am, who you are, just for context, if people don't know. So I ran a wholesale Amazon business for a number of years, grew that, did well, like really, to me, out of all the businesses I've started, that was the first one that actually made money <laughs> and succeeded in my mind. So I learned a lot. And then we grew a Facebook group, over 10,000 people. And just, I was teaching like for free, like not a guru thing, just literally like I did live sourcing on Facebook Live every Tuesday for like three years. It was nuts, like for free, like just, it was fun. And then we, my co-founder, James, we actually met the weirdest story on Instagram because I was DMing everybody that had a larger wholesale Amazon business than I did and just asking if I could pay them for an hour of their time. Which by the way, most people, if you just do that, most people be like, yeah, don't worry about it. Let's just jump on Skype for 30 minutes which is the coolest like life hack ever. Like regardless of what you want to go into, just do that. And people will give you plenty of time. And so we met, he was a computer science major um, at UMass like in his last year. And so we had played around with starting a software company because for me, I always wanted to do that. I love it because I'm obsessed with automation. So having a software company kind of works really well for my personality type. And that's what we did. So we started vindrive.com and then pivoted into goora.com, which is a repricing tool. And we've been focused in growing that. I bring that all up to say, it's been a crazy year. Like it's literally been nuts. Like what we've done. Um, and I'm, I'm still in school full time. Like this is my last semester, um, which now we have coronavirus. So all my classes got moved to Zoom, which is kind of interesting. I'm curious to see how this is going to work out. So what's your major? Finance. Yeah, which I now slightly regret. Any any specialization or finance in general? So it's finance with a focus on investing, more so on like the IB MA. IB meaning like investment banking kind of route. So we're doing a lot of like company valuation stuff. It's fun. It's interesting, but it's not as interesting as building things, if that makes sense, right? Like now I consider myself a script kitty. And if you don't know what that means, it means like I can, I can oh program, God. but like not well. <laughs> I, have, and I have zero I have, fundamentals. I haven't heard that term in like in a hot minute. Years. I know oh, that shows you how old I am. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love it. I love the flashback. Thank you for that. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I do enjoy building things. I mean, I, I code in Python. Like I like to build things that I can't get off the shelf, but if I can't get it off the shelf, I'm just going to get it. So I say that because I just enjoy building things. It's kind of cool. And so finance is awesome, but like running a business, which to me is like building something is way more enjoyable. So I'm so excited to graduate. They hear you talk about wanting to automate everything and you drop the words like Python and writing code, et cetera. They say that sounds interesting. They've heard all of their friends and their family and everyone has a, everyone has a coding job these days, it seems, et cetera, et cetera where's someone who has no experience with that? Like, where do they start? What, what resources would you recommend? And we'll put them in the show notes too. Yeah, for sure. I, I think the thing that helped me a lot, and this is not even a, a coding programming thing. It's more like a framework. So the way I view it is 
and maybe this is incorrect, but it works for me is like Python, which is a programming language, which is more easily accessible. It's, it's easier to read, write, so on and so forth. It's a high level language. That's just one of the tools you could utilize. Majority of the time, the things you want to automate, whether it's in your business or your personal life, can be done cheaply, if not free, with tools that already exist. Tools like Zapier. Tools like if you're on a Mac, which by the way, you totally should be. I'm a huge Apple fanboy. But for automation, honestly, a lot of people don't believe this. Macs are amazing for automation. There's tools like Keyboard Maestro. Fantastic. I mean, you're talking about having image recognition built in to a tool that costs $35. One-time fee. It's amazing. Two, Hazel. And all Hazel does is you, you create rules and it automates the management of your files. I mean, it can go into a file, read it, rename the file, and then move it wherever you want. So it can auto-organize, auto-rename, do OCR, image recognition, all kinds of cool stuff. But don't start with the tool. Start with a problem. Here's where the framework comes into play. Find a problem. Find a solution. That's all, that's all you're doing in life, by the way. <laughs> in my mind, if you, if you simplify everything, it's all you're doing. So what I like to do is I'll randomly, for a given week, write down a, a list of all the tasks that I'm doing. And then I'll, I'll consider, should I even be doing this period? Because the majority of things you're doing in your life, you should just stop doing. That's just a fact. <laughs> it's just wasteful, right? The whole 80-20 principle, which if you're not familiar, you know, 20% of your inputs are going to generate 80% of your outputs. Meaning, if you're doing 10 tasks, trying to get the same outcome two of those are probably going to generate the, the most results, in which case get rid of the other eight, right? Free up time. Um, and then I'm a, I'm a huge fan actually of Ari Mizell's OAO framework. And so OAO just stands for optimize, automate, outsource. It's linear, meaning you, you go from you know, optimize all the way down to outsourcing. Most people, especially like in the Amazon space, go the outsourcing route first. They're like, nope, just outsource it. Like, wait, we but you didn't make the process better first and you didn't look where you could use computers first and you just gave it to another human. How does that make sense? So the first thing you do is you go, okay, well, assuming I can't automate it and assuming I cannot outsource it, let's at least make it easier for me to just do. We do that next. Great. Then we look at automation and that's when it's like, it's a sandbox for me, right? What can I automate? And then what tool can do the thing that I need it done? Um, it might be Zapier, which automates an amazing amount of things. Um, they're always releasing new functionality. That's like three for five automations. Yeah, I think it's five. You get five zaps, which are like the, the automation rules. And if it's 20 bucks a month, you get 20. Like it, it's, a, it's ridiculous. It's so cheap. Um, you know, Keyboard Maestro, I mentioned. Hazel, I mentioned. There's a handful of others. There's Text Expander. It, it actually amazes me how many times or how many times people will actually hand type their email address. I do, here's what I do. I go semicolon P-E-M, which is personal email, and it autofills my email. If it's business, I go semicolon B-E-M for business. I'm not doing that again. I'm never typing out my email ever again. I'm sorry, it's a waste of my time. We don't need to do it. And what's great, that's free. <laughs> Yes, it, I use Text Expander uh, personally. I have awesome. for many years. Uh, I use it in my day job, which I feel I feel like I'm almost one of those one of those strange Amazon sellers that also has a day job and enjoys it. 
Uh, that maybe will be a topic for another day. How dare you enjoy your day job? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's always okay. Fine, I'll bring it up now. It's always a point of contention for folks when I suggest, and maybe this is a bit of a hot take, but if if you're thinking about when you should quit your day job. I would argue keep it as long as you feasibly can. Yeah. Having that having that second or even that that primary source of income to keep all the lights on and the bills paid while you're building your business will make that transition to that business being your income exponentially easier because 100%. then you're no longer worrying my sales aren't high enough. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to pay the rent or my employees this month. Like you you don't all of that goes off that just goes out yeah. the window, right? When you 100%. don't have that that pressure um so that's the that's the short version of it but um for text expander i like using it for my business related information like my tax id which i never remember yes. you know sales tax license number right like you know i i type semicolon uh what is it f e i n or f i e n i don't even know what i have it as it's just a, <laughs> it's a muscle memory right at this point that, right isn't that cool and it just works and i love it yeah. so when i put it in an application i just type the little code I have no idea what the number actually is, and I've seen it outputted hundreds of times. But you don't need to know. That's what's crazy. You know, I, I'm so I'm into the whole like biohacking, like cognitive cognition kind of stuff. But what's interesting is too many people approach their their brain as a hard drive, like an external hard drive. It's not. It's more like a CPU, right? It's more it's more for processing. Yes, you have short term memory, but that's different. We won't get into that level of of detail here. But why do you need to memorize that? Now, there are some things you absolutely should memorize because it's useful. Your FEIN number, your tax number, your resale permit number, no, it's irrelevant. <laughs> like, give that to a tool, <laughs> type out semicolon EIN and have that autofill for you and never again care. It's amazing. Like, I've, I've gone so far to have a, I have a text expander formula that outputs an Excel formula for a specific wholesaler price sheet to calculate best price based on like different like pricing tiers that they have yeah so when i plug it into tools like scan unlimited i only have to point it at the one column that's automatically the best price across all of the pricing tiers like and that's like it, it sounds like oh, that sounds so simple but for months i was doing it the hard way yeah and it occurred to me i'm never going to remember what this formula is and i'm never going to remember the last place i put a sheet that has this formula I might as well plug it into text expander at this point. Like this is driving me nuts. So right. things like that, like once that, once you get frustrated, I think it's the opportune, most opportune time to plug it in. Cause then you're going to, you're, you're going to feel immediately better. hundred percent. It, it, it's, 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 it's game changing. It'll, I don't even know how to describe the sensation almost, you know, you can't because it's, um, it's too amazing. It's like describing your first time at Disney. You can't do it. I'm sorry. You can write whatever blog post, make a documentary. It doesn't encapsulate everything. Admittedly, I've never been to Disney. Oh my gosh. What? <laughs> That's great. All right, well, we got to get you like to Disney now, first. I don't think I can go. It sounds like- Well, now you can because Corona. So, <laughs> so here's, here's my view on it. I am, I'm so obsessed with automation. One, yes, it's intellectually intriguing to me. The fact of I can I can reduce 15 tasks that still need to get happened down to one, but the 15 still get done. That's cool. But outside of that, it's really, and this is why I said a framework earlier, I'm just trying to make my life easier. To be honest, I'm asking interesting questions like, 
how can I make running a seven-figure business easy with hardly any people? That's it. I mean, it's, it's how we've been able to really scale Aura, the software SaaS company, so quickly and without having needing or have not having to, to hire people. I mean, now we are hiring engineers because it makes sense. But from like a support standpoint, it's not a problem. I still manage all that myself as one of the two co-founders. Like it's not difficult and still do everything else. <laughs> well, the way we're able to do that is by automating everything we can, or at least making it simpler. It's not just like full-blown automation. We mentioned text expander. You could argue that's automation. You can argue it's not automation, but you can't argue the fact that it, it does make your life easier. And it takes, takes a task. Let's say me typing out my email. Let's say it takes three seconds to do, but if I can reduce that down to half a second and I'm doing that, like let's say three times a day, not a big deal, but let's do that with 30 other tasks you do every single day. And that's how you're able to go to school full-time like I am. Still get good grades. Proud of that one. Um, grow a company. Start it from nothing. Bootstrap it. Not raise money. I mean, there's, it's so crazy how much you're capable of doing because you're just freeing up capacity. I think people miss that. I think people, especially like in, in, in our world of like the Amazon world, it's, it's more so just like, well, that's a bit advanced. I'm not, I'm not computer savvy, right? Like I hear this all the time. I'm like, listen, if we can change one thing that will have a, a compounding effect for your life and your business, become tech savvy. Like learn these tools because you just doing that will set you apart. It's so astounding. So I think for, for folks who maybe not be familiar with us, you know, we, we got started as Amazon sellers, but a lot of this, this translates into just about any aspect, any kind of business out there. Right. You know, I work in the, the tech industry in general and there are, there's not just like e-commerce, like selling related tasks that this is good for. Like we find ways to automate all sorts of different processes, all, all sorts of different businesses we work with doing the exact same thing that we're doing. They have nothing to do with e-commerce even, right? Like the, these are the kinds of mindsets you get into that could make any business good or 100%. make any business great that was already good. Yeah. And I'll give you a prime example of why, and I do believe this is a skill set of why it's so important. I had a, I have a buddy that wanted to start a prep company, right? So, so they're doing prep work for Amazon sellers. It's like, cool. That's really awesome. Let's talk. Cause I just want to help out like the systems. I was like, dude, let me help you automate stuff just for free. Cause I want to geek out with it. Now we're partners on it, but with off the shelf tools like Airtable, Zapier, and Slack, we were able to set up an infrastructure for managing high volume prep orders, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but keep in mind, they were going to do it in a completely different way because they didn't, they didn't know what was capable or, or what they were capable of doing, right? They didn't know what really just like, even how cheap this stuff is, right? And so I was like, no, like, let me set it up. We'll, we'll get it going. And they were able to launch and be doing over 3,000 units per month in like two to three months with ease. This is the important part with ease. Like I even flew out there um, in person to do the prep work with them so I can learn more to like even, you know, help further and simplify things. Actually, I just rebuilt all the systems last night. Now they're even simpler, but have more functionality. And it took me two hours to do that. 
So you can literally learn these kinds of things as a skill set and use it as a backbone for starting a different company. It's ridiculous. If it's not clear yet, Dylan doesn't sleep. Probably not. <laughs> I, I honestly believe people who are listening can't can't see him, but I can. It's it, it's very clear that some, he's he's got something flowing through his system <laughs> that prevents him from sleeping. Like it, <laughs> it's he, insane. He's dude. Always he's always running at, at almost at full throttle, and I, I don't it. know how he does it. I I sleep in. I doubt he does. Honestly, I don't. I, I, don't <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I I kid you not though. Like I think this is a good point to bring up too. Is when you start a company that you that revolves at least around the things that you're genuinely into it's easy to work 18 hour days because it doesn't feel like it. You're like, like month, so I don't have classes this week because it's technically spring break. I was like, cool. I don't have to worry about that. I have an extra 10, 15 hours a week to, to do whatever. I mean, I could have just chilled, but instead I decided to pick up learning how to build a front end web app using Django and Python. And so Monday night I sent, I spent eight hours just learning Django to build an app of something that I wanted because I, I had this idea where I was like, okay, we use Jira for our support or for our issues, tracking, right? Feature requests, bugs. I was like, well, it actually makes sense to have, instead of doing grooming, which you basically have to go through your backlog, you know, make decisions, what's important. Why don't we just bake in a rule set, have that auto sort for us. And then basically we just auto groomed everything. We just decide, yeah, that, that does make sense. Pull it over. I was like, all right, I'll just go build it. <laughs> like I did. It's janky. Because I'm a script kitty, but I learned Django in eight hours because it was just fun. Like the only reason why I know Python is because there were some things that I wanted to automate that I couldn't with tools like Zapier. So I was like, I'll just build it. Like it's fine. I'll, I'll just learn it and I'll build it and we'll move on. It's great. So for, I can see the inevitable question coming up because this comes up a lot in my space. Uh, is, is Python the, the best language to use? And I will immediately say it isn't ultimately going to matter? That's not the right question. Yeah. So I, I love that because I learned this the hard way too, because when I started to, I, I initially like years ago, try to teach myself to code, quote unquote, that doesn't work. You need to start with something you need to solve and then go learn how to solve it with the, the best language for the problem. The thing, at least in my, and again, I'm not an engineer by any means, not even a software developer. But like from my understanding, most languages can do just about anything, at least generally, but some languages are better suited for other things. Like if, if you're building like a, a high volume um, system, like, like repricing, you might want to consider Go and use a microservice architecture. Why? Because it just helps with scale. The stuff I'm building, I don't really have that problem. So I just default to Python <laughs> because it's easy and there's always a library to do something. And there's so much documentation. Like the thing about it is to, it's not like, oh, I just know Python. Like, no, I literally jump in Google how to work with CSV files, stack overflow. <laughs> like, oh, here's how you do it. Cool. Take that code, re rewrite it to suit my needs and move on. It's, that's why I call myself a script kitty because I can't just sit down and build a great system. It's like, no, I'm pulling code from somebody else reformatting it for my use, making sure it works, and then moving forward. That's, I mean, for most people, if you can just get there, that you could do so many amazing things, but you don't even have to. That's like literally Dylan just being a nerdy dork. Just start with 
tools like Zapier. I mean, it's it's ridiculously easy and cheap. That's that's uh, it. it, it uh, I will happily admit that even even the seasoned engineers in the various tech circles. If they if they tell you they don't Google anything, they're just outright lying. Dude, to you. Like, it's <laughs> funny. It's like eighty percent of your time if you actually log like what an engineer is doing. It's Stack Overflow. Like eighty percent. It's like I wrote this. It doesn't work. Why? Okay, cool. <laughs> so I don't even have any qual. I'm, and I don't even care. That's the funny part. Like if we like we're about to hire engineers, um, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. If I look over and I see you googling stuff, I anticipate you doing that because. The idea that you just know everything about everything is just appalling. And I certainly don't. Like, I Google every... Like, I have to do this with Zapier. I'm like, can you even do that with Zapier? Google, Zapier, can you do this? <laughs> Somebody somewhere has asked a question. I get a quick answer. I mean, Google's your friend. We all know this. It hasn't been said in, in a hot minute, in probably half a decade, but it's still true. Like, just use it. Somebody's already solved your problem. I, I would put a lot of money on that every single time. If you want to learn about how to be a quant engineer, there is a stack exchange just for quants. If you, I mean, clock making. There's a stack overflow or stack exchange. I forget what the root domain actually is. I think it's stack exchange. But like there is a a category just for clock making. Like it doesn't matter what you want to get into. And this is the, because, so we, we did actually just hire a guy. He's helping me part-time and I'm teaching him all this automation stuff. He's like, where do I go to learn these things? Dude, there's forums for everything. There's pod, There's literally a podcast that I love called The Automators. That's it. It's great. That's all they talk about. Automating cool stuff, using tools like Zapier. I mean, whatever you're into, there is a podcast, a blog, a YouTube channel, maybe even a documentary on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, oh, really, I it's it. so crazy. I mean, you could teach yourself just about anything, relatively cheap, if not completely for free. And it all just comes back to what problems are you trying to solve and why are they painful? I think that's, to me, it's the biggest thing. I can I can see a lot of folks going in the, in the opposite direction, which I wouldn't entirely be against, um, just, just for the fact that learning is never bad you know even if you're if you're trying to figure out how to automate something but you don't even really know what your problem is like there is still some value to that but at the same time if you can help it just spend a lot of time thinking i know that sounds super vague but like just sit down and like don't you don't don't try to actually solve any problem you have until you've spent an almost gross amount of time actually figuring out what your real problem is so you're saying like basically get to the root, right? Yeah, exactly. Love it. 100%. And, and that's the whole like OAO framework we mentioned earlier, like the optimize section, that first segment, that's basically what that segment is. It's like, listen, yeah, you think all 13 tasks add up to the goal you want, but maybe it's only five. Maybe you need to actually think that through. Because if you, and God forbid you think, imagine that, you sit down and you just think about a problem, you might come out with a fantastic solution. I actually love walking. So like before lunch, I'll just go for a walk. Phone doesn't get to come out. I just think. Think about a problem you're, you're facing with right now and just let your mind kind of roam with it. And what's great is I would say eight out of 10 times, you're probably going to come out with at least a new idea 
of how you could solve that. Great, mm-hmm. go test it. It's that. It's, it's so great. It's the classic adage of sleeping on it, right? Right, <laughs> exactly. 100%. I love it. I When I first started uh, selling on Amazon or selling in any e-commerce venue at all, you know, I, I did... And to an extent, I do. I still do some things by hand. I'll admit, I'm not. I am not the automation freak. I will say that word. I will. As, I will happily <laughs> accept it. <laughs> I, I I do not uh, climb to the level that Dylan does with my automation, which is fine. I uh, I made a point to share with him that I don't process my downloads folder. Um, that's a that's that's a deep cut. I'll try to put that in the show notes if I can find it. Um, his his downloads folder gets automatically processed by file type and like names and stuff. Yep. And I told him I don't do any of that. And I, <laughs> I, I didn't exactly tell him like to what extent I don't do it, but I just pulled up my downloads folder now. I have oh, 511 items in it. Why? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like the people who leave emails in their inbox and they've already been processed. They, do you do you do that? No. No, which okay. is funny. I think you and I'm I like, archive it. I think we we use our downloads folder differently. For me, it's yeah. it's more of a like a temporary place. Things that okay. go there I don't need long term. I okay. put I save them immediately to where I need them to go. Does okay. that make sense? So Yes and no. So what do you consider long term? So let's say invoices, for example. Okay. If I receive an invoice and an attachment, I will just right-click and save it directly in the folder it needs to go. Okay. I don't think about putting it in my downloads folder and then you know, making sure my automation can handle that new type of invoice correctly. Like That's, that's not a thought that comes to my mind. Which gotcha. All of this, I'm saying, is a roundabout way of, of clarifying that you don't necessarily need to automate – for the sake of automation, if you're not, if there no. isn't going to be any value to get out of it. So like 100%. for me, I'm not going to like Hazel isn't going to serve much of a purpose for me personally, but for some it might. So there's going to be some trial and error. You, you might have a folder that Dylan would find repulsive. It's okay. <laughs> it happens. But coming back to my original statement before we get into too many turns out, um, when I first started, I did everything by hand practically as, as as by hand as you can get in the digital age and it was tiring like i got super tired super quick i'm like there's got to be a tool to do this out there somewhere there's got to be a way to do this somewhere like i was already started to get burned out and i was like three months into it and i'm like yeah. oh my god if this is what it's going to be like oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm already thinking about leaving you know um, so yeah. once once i solved my my most painful problems I I started thinking this is this is a comfortable middle ground for now. I think that I can revisit some of this in the future, but I'm okay with the way things are right now. And I know that there are still there is still some room for improvement. There always is. There's always something you can you can improve upon, make better, but for me it works. And I have a system down now and I'm I'm good at it and it I have nothing else to Nothing, nothing else to say or think about it. And I think that's the important part, right? Like it is subjective. It's not just, well, you can automate it, so you should. To a certain degree, I, I act that way with myself, but not with other people, right? It's like, oh, here's the way I do it. That doesn't mean it's right for you. 
I just literally love this stuff. <laughs> so like the hazel thing, yeah, I dude, I have hazel rules for everything. But the only reason why I have hazel to begin with is because I just me as a human, I'm like, why am I moving files? Now, if it's a one-off exception, yeah, who cares? But I'm doing repetitive tasks. And so for me, I was like, yeah, I just don't want to do that. So now I can just dump it into downloads and then Hazel can just, you know, spit it off wherever it needs to go and blah, blah, blah. You know, hand, handling quote-unquote torrent files. Um, handle- we, we call <laughs> that the back of a truck. Things fall off the back <laughs> of the truck, Dylan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, PDFs automatically get uploaded to Evernote. Um, you know, files get converted, like... It works for me. And that's the type of person that I am. I I like to look at everything as a system. That's not always correct, but that's the way I view it. And then I try to say, okay, well, if it's always being done this way, I might as well just pay 30 bucks for a tool that can just always do it for me. And then like, it's nice never having to delete your, or empty your trash can or, you know, clean up your downloads works for me, but not for everybody. So that's why I keep saying like, it always starts with a problem. And then you find the appropriate solution, whether that's Hazel, Keyboard Maestro, Zapier, Python, it doesn't matter. But I do find that too many people get kind of too excited and then just get all the tools and they're like, great, what problems like should I start working on? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> like you went the opposite end, right? Like start with the problem and find a simple solution. I think that's the importance too. It's not about adding complexity. It's more so about adding simplicity. Yeah, I I, I hesitated at first to write down all of these things that we've mentioned with regards to to automating processes because I know people are going to go that direction, but right. they are still valuable, so they still will be in there in the show notes. But seriously, don't touch any of it unless you figure out what your problems are first. Just 100%. outright, like none of this, none of none of it's going to matter if you don't actually make things easier for yourself. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. So. It's, it's about making minor improvements because like you mentioned, I mean, it, I think most business owners, when they get started with something new, I mean, you have to do it by hand because you don't know what everything is. So to a certain degree, you kind of start to figure out the workflow, but by then you, you do start to risk having burnout and listen, we still have burnout. I mean, we, I had burnout last week. It's just, there's so much going on, even with automation happening, there is so much going on and yeah, it can absolutely happen. But if you can, if you can stave off burnout by utilizing processes, checklists, automation, it, whatever the solution needs to be, you're going to actually enjoy the work because here's, here's, here's the, the negative for me when it comes to business, you start a company or a business because you want to make money because you're running away from something, right? Like you hate your job, blah, blah, blah. If you don't love it, guess what it becomes? Just another job. However, it's a more stressful job. So you end up trading, making, let's say, 80 grand a year working 40 hours a week or making 40 grand working 80 hours a week. Awesome. Now you really hate your life. Don't do that. And you alluded to this earlier. Keep your job as long as you can, right? Because you, you really, you're at a point where you're just exploring ideas. I love this, this algorithm, you know, explore, exploit, right? It's like, Explore the options, determine what makes sense for you, and then exploit the one that makes the most sense. For some people, it's Amazon. For others, it's Shopify. For others, it's it's being a you know starting a barber shop, whatever. But like, you need to figure out what that is first, because I promise you, it's gonna get hard, regardless of what you do. It's gonna be great, and then it's gonna really suck, 
and you have to be you have to be excited to still work on it even when it sucks and i would also argue at this when once it's become hard that's when you have the most opportunity to make it amazing like 100%. once once you've gotten past that easy part like starting the business is easy right setting up yeah. your email address is easy right once you get to actually getting new clients or getting new relationships with suppliers, things like that, that's the, that's when you're going to find yourself having the most success, even if it doesn't actually mean more dollars on your balance sheet. Because those wins, those wins are going to catapult you into the next level and it's going to be exponentially more powerful. It's going to feel good. Right. You, you're, you're going to get into a zone practically because you put in that effort right there in the beginning when it felt like it was the hardest. Yep. And you, you look for bottlenecks, right? I love finding bottlenecks. I like this idea that at any given moment, there's either the biggest bottleneck that is keeping you from achieving whatever goal you're going for. And on the inverse side of that, there is a single growth lever that if you did that one thing would generate the largest amount of impact positively than everything else. So if you can sit down and think, like we said earlier, and really quantify what both of those are, you can systematically increase profitability, increase growth, and reduce risk in parallel. I love doing this. What's our biggest bottleneck right now? Um, We can't turn out features fast enough. Okay, we need to hire an engineer. It's not rocket science, right? I mean, what's the biggest growth opportunity we have right now? Uh, maybe it's it's PPC on, on Facebook because we haven't really started that. Great. Let's go try it. And then we're just systematically chipping away at the negatives, but adding and doubling down on the positives. So when you're in that rut, when it is tough, which by the way, it gets tough really fast. <laughs> it kind of catches you off guard. You have at least a system to not be overwhelmed and be like, I just don't know what to do. I'm just not going to do anything. And you shut down or you have a system that says, okay, I'm going to approach it this way. I'm going to approach it this way. Problem solution. And then you go for that, whatever it is. I mean, you know, the automation side is a small segment of that. Maybe it's, I'm working 80 hours a week and I can't afford to hire somebody, but like, I can't keep going on doing this, but it's working. Okay. Let's look at where we can reduce your hours by 10 hours a week cheaply. Okay. We can start there. We can systematically go back and forth. And then, but, but that's the thing, man, you you see too many people get into a business model that has a low barrier to entry, but a high barrier to succeeding. Because by the way, you're still starting a company just because it's easy to start. Doesn't mean it's easy to succeed. And they hit a, they hit that first big roadblock and they just shut down. It's like, Nope, I'm out. You gotta be, you gotta be willing to kind of go through it. Like, what, what's the Gary Vee quote? Like, eat shit for for three years and like move back home. Like, you gotta be willing to do stuff like that at, at times, right? Um, you have to be willing to commit at least a year. In my mind, whatever business you're starting, commit a year to it. Just do it, because and just accept it's gonna suck at some points. It's gonna be awesome at other points. I'm gonna have problems I can't even perceive at the moment. But this is what I want to do, and I'm committing to myself for at least a year to make this happen. Like that alone will change so much. How do your recommendations change, or do they change at all in the age of coronavirus? We'll just call it that. No. What? What? I mean, here's the thing. 
it's we because we, I'm a finance major, so we talk about this. I'm taking behavioral finance right now, so we're like, oh, wait, is this is the stock market reaction rational or irrational? Without a doubt, it's irrational. It has nothing to do with the stock market. Now, I understand there are some potential impacts, but let's be frank. There's more automation. God, I, I'm going to have to like slap myself every time I say that word. Different contexts. I'm talking like robotics at this point. It, logistics, infrastructure, supply chain management, all that stuff. That's where it's going. Um, so I'm not really worried about it. Whether you're starting or running a business, I, I, I actually posted a video in, our, in our, our Facebook group earlier this week. It was like, this is one of the biggest opportunities you're going to have. Because at any, regardless of the business model you're in, there's always different segments of competitors, right? There's always the ones that like, they do it just because they can make money, but they're not taking it seriously. So they hit that big roadblock and then they just drop out. Guess what's going to happen now? Amazon comes out with restrictions and says, oh, you can only ship this stuff in. Well, the legitimate business owners, the people that take it seriously go, great, let's adapt. Let's figure it out. Problem, solution. The ones who don't go... I'm out. Great. Make more room. I mean, it's funny. It's, it's either Templeton. I forget who it was, but the, and I forget the actual quote now, of course. Great. But be, be aggressive when there's blood in the streets, essentially. So just because everything is freaking out does not mean that you should also freak out. It's like the stock market right now. All of my buddies that are actually working in finance or we're taking classes together and even the professors like, what should investors do now that everything is tanking? Well, if your time horizon's at least 10 years, buy more. It's all at a discount. But you have people that are irrational. They go, nope, it's all going down. Sell it all. Why? It's not going down. It went down, but it's not like deleting itself. Like, you're fine. So if that can be applied to a stock market, why couldn't that also be applied to starting a business? Right? There's no great, perfect time to start a business. There's better ones and worse ones. But if you're like, no, I plan on starting a business this month, still start it. Just figure it out. I like it. What else are you going to – I mean, really, what else are you going to do, though? <laughs> like, yeah. Just not – be like, oh, well, you know, this isn't going to work out. Like, if you're going to give up that easily, you didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, with. I mean, you know retail arbitrage is dead now, right? <laughs> well, that's true. We're gonna we're gonna get. That's why we have online arbitrage. We're gonna get emails. Yeah, <laughs> so bad. I, I have emails. a I have a strong opinion for retail and online arbitrage. I'm a finance major. We study actual arbitrage. By definition, it's inefficiency in the market. That's just why it's an arbitrage opportunity. They don't last. So I'm like, hey, yeah, it works 100. percent That's how I got started selling on Amazon, like everybody else. But at some point, that inefficiency will go away and that business model will not exist. That's my big concern with, with retail and online arbitrage. I think it's, it's a great way to make a little bit of money. Uh, I think it's a great way to start a business, but don't plan on that lasting for another 10 years. I, I, I posted, uh, I guess it's been a few months now, God, time flies, um, that in my humble, probably uninformed opinion, I mean, let's be real. We, th we think we know what we're doing, but we're really all just winging it, right? Um, oh, yeah, 100%. It's all duct tape. <laughs> that retail arbitrage as we know it or have, have we have known it for many years is not going to exist by the time this year is over. And it, 
looking back on it, maybe I was a little extreme, but at the same time, so far, it, it doesn't feel like I've been wrong, at least with all of the price gouging right. talk that's kind of bubbled up to the surface in the last few weeks sure. and months, right? Um, it's still, I still think it's a great entry point for a lot of folks because it's the easiest way to get familiar with whatever system you're using. You know, if you're at Goodwill looking for vintage clothes for eBay and Mercari, or you're looking for some Star Wars dingus for Amazon, you know, whatever, whatever it is, or, you know, you're building a Shopify business and it's an easy way to get a small amount of inventory to start, right? Like there will, I, I would argue that's probably the easiest way for a lot of people, especially those who are cash strapped because it 100%. requires such a small outlay to make happen versus starting your own brand, right? Trademarks yeah. are expensive. Initial inventory is expensive. All the legal things are expensive. Like it will add up super quick. And if you're into that sort of thing, dude, go for it. But it doesn't, there's, unless that's exactly what you want to do and you're ready to take on all of those responsibilities, honestly, don't do it. But but here's here's the thing. Most people look for the easy entry point, which is not wrong, right? It's low barrier to entry, low friction. We can get started with little capital. Sure. The trade-off of that is that you have much higher competition. And on average, those businesses seem to churn out more rapidly. Yes. So we talk a lot about this, you know, I'm, I'm taking a, a policy class, which is kind of weird. It's basically like a business simulation class. I'm like, I'm actually running one of these, but okay, let's make a game out of it. So what, what's funny though, is when you really look at like case studies and you analyze it and it does make a lot of sense, when you go to approach, what business should I go into? If you actually choose the one that has the higher barrier to entry, yes, it's harder upfront, but you will do better. And longevity or the life cycle of that business on average is going to be much longer. Why? Because you have less entrance, right? It's, it's harder. Dude, we got into repricing. Do you know how complex that is? Like technically it's not easy to do. And we didn't raise money and I'm not an engineer. Only one of the two co-founders are an engineer. So James pretty much spent like 80 hours a day for eight months building the beta for this thing. It's not an easy thing to get into. But that business, because it's so hard to do and get right and scale it. I mean, there was there were two other repricing tools that launched when we did. And three months later, they were already shut down, like sites and all. So it was harder. But it made more sense, right? Um, and it's hard for a lot of people to understand because it sounds counterintuitive. No, you want the, the less friction route, the easy route. Yes, but not in business. Oddly enough, this is why everybody at some point especially in the Amazon world, ends up going either wholesale, direct to brands, high volume, or private label. They start their own brand because they realize this very early on. One, it's a supply problem. Two, it's a com competition problem. Three, you can't actually scale it. So what do you do? You look for business models that are harder to get into that do take three to six months to start paying out like private label or wholesale, which requires a higher capital um, structure early on and you take, you make the hard decision, but nine times out of 10, everybody who does that is like, yeah, I was really happy that I did that when I did, because I have a valuable asset now, which is completely different than arbitrage. Yes. And it's, it's repeatable. That's the great thing too, right? 
I mean, just because you, you, you can get $50 in profit per unit from something you bought at Target, okay, but go, go buy 500 units of it. You can't, right? So you're, you're by definition limited <laughs> in the opportunity, which to me, I don't really like. I like to really set, the own, set my own opportunities and, and, and have more control over that. That's why I loved wholesale. I do like private label. I have not started one. I like the idea of it. But I like more so the idea of let me buy a private label brand that's doing six figures and try to grow it to seven. Like that to me is more enjoyable because I get to skip the whole, you know, figuring out what product and brand to build. <laughs> you just be like, all right, let's just, you know, sideline that. But but you I I, I agree with you. I, I think it's not going to last. I give it a 10 year, I'm being very conservative, thinking linearly. I think it's gonna be more exponential than that. So it's gonna be on a different curvature, but I think with confidence, I can say the next four to five years easily. I'll take that. Coming from a finance person, you know, I, I'm an options trader. So I, oh, you know, I, I swing big, <laughs> right? So I'm sitting here saying, oh, yeah, by the end of the year, it's going to be fucked, right? Um, <laughs> and, and Dylan's, Dylan's the, the more level-headed one. And he's like, oh, five years. Five years sounds good. Ten is also reasonable. Yeah, so <laughs> this, is, this is why we're doing this. This is why we're having this conversation. Yep, you know, 100%. We're, we're coming at this from different perspectives, different backgrounds, yeah. right? You know, I, I'm a, a, an engineer, a type person kind of by trade and by, I was about to say by society, that's not the right word, but, <laughs> um, ever since I was, I was young, like the computers were the only thing I took an actual interest in, right? It was, it was hard for my parents to wrap their heads around my interest in computers because computers were still a pretty new thing. And this was the early mid nineties, um, to, to essentially age myself here. Um, and they would, they would try to limit my computer exposure because it, you know, it hadn't really occurred to the general population what computers and technology would become. Right. So it, it took, it, it, it took some convincing or we'll just say rule breaking. Fine. Um, you asked my parents, I was a pain in the ass. They'll just, <laughs> there's, there's, there's no doubt about that, but that's, that interest in computers got me to where I'm at today. You know, I work for a tech company. I've worked for tech companies for God, almost, it's been about a decade now. Um, and this is the only, this is the only field I could see myself being in. I, I always tell myself, I've told my wife this a few times, if I had to leave tech for good, I would probably just become a bus driver. Like there's, there's nothing else that is interesting enough to warrant an active pursuit in. So I'm all the way on the other side. I'll just drive people around and collect a paycheck. Like that's fine. You know, like <laughs> just become a Luddite. <laughs> exactly. Like, well, forget it then. Exactly. Like that's, that's how into this that I am. So I approached e-commerce from that perspective, right? I am a tech person. How do I solve this with technology? Like exactly what you're doing. But I, I was fortunate enough to already have a bit of a background. So <laughs> I didn't have to figure out, okay, what language do I use for this? How do I, how do I make this happen? How do I process this supplier sheet into usable data? Like, don't tell my suppliers this, but I scrape their websites for prices. Like that's... Now we're talking. <laughs> that's, that's the level I had to take it at because I couldn't stand asking them for this info every week or two weeks or yeah. month right like it just it felt like an inconvenience to me and just frankly to them right because some yeah. of them some of my suppliers 
the majority of their businesses, they're just regular, you know, brick and mortar, old, good old fashioned businesses, right? They don't, we don't have those kinds of conversations. They're not set up for that. So it, it was always like pulling teeth, trying to figure out what the latest prices is, are for their hundreds or thousands of products, right? So I knew there was a solution. I just had to end up building it. And so far, no one's caught on to it. I, I try not to abuse the system. Like there's, <laughs> there's a very fine line here when it comes to scraping data. Yes, there is. <laughs> I've learned that myself. Um, but what's funny, like you, and I'm glad you brought this up because I, I was going to, but like, regardless of the business you're going into, you're a software company. You should always approach it that way. Like I'm not an engineer. I'm a finance guy. Um, and actually went to, went back to school like four years after graduating because I didn't know what the heck I was going to do in my life. But what you just said and how you approach things is the exact same methodology and mindset that I use. It's a systems mindset, right? It's, it's first principles. It's like, it's really looking for waste. It's looking for inefficiencies and be like, this is not a good use of time or there could be a better way to do X, Y, and Z. Let me just go do it. And it doesn't have to be complex. Sometimes it does have to be. I've certainly had to do some web scraping projects myself, which some work, most don't, but that's okay. Um, but I mean, really, I think you're, you shouldn't be an Amazon seller. You shouldn't be an e-commerce business. You shouldn't be a, a real estate agent. You should be a software company that sits in that space because you can use technology. Like many people don't know this because there's a lot of like closed conversation, you know, private conversations happening that I always do because a lot of people are in stealth mode with, with tech companies and even us to a certain degree. I can tell you right now we are having conversations about what, what the supply chain itself will look like in the next two to five years. And we're already devising solutions for that that are incredibly complex. But because of where technology is now, we don't need 10 engineers to do it. We need a small handful of targeted engineers to, to pull off something amazing. There's so many inefficiencies, not just from a micro, your business, your day-to-day -day life, but from a macro standpoint. And if you can open your eyes to see those life gets kind of fun. Like it does become a game to my, to, to, at least to my perspective, where just, you're just constantly making life again, from the macro and the micro standpoint, easier inefficiencies, man. You just, you're just closing that loop. And when you do that, you never have to worry about that again outside of, you know, obviously maintain your code base, but we won't bring that up. But like you, you really don't like it's, it's nice not having to worry about 50 things that I had to worry about last month. They still get done. I just want I can free up my mind and my capacity to focus on things that are more important and more enjoyable. Right. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool alone. Mm -hmm. So if somebody was contemplating whether to, cause you, we, we brought up the, the OAO model. You know, I think we've we've practically beat it to death at this point. Sorry, yes. <laughs> um, I can I can see, and I've seen I've seen folks kind of toss around because they're unsure of whether they want to outsource or automate. Like, how do you how, how do you explain why that's both an okay question to ask, and sure. how do you how do you solve both of those at the same time? For me, it's very easy. It's so people approach 
outsourcing isolated, right? You just, you give it to another human that you pay less than what you get paid to, to, to do, a, do a task. Great, but that's not really everything that's happening, right? It's a very simplistic view on something. I zoom out a little bit. So instead of me saying, yes, I can pay somebody $4 an hour to do a task and I'm worth 60 bucks an hour, whatever, it's more, should a human be doing this period? I view it from a respect standpoint. This is very interesting. If I take a task that I know for a fact I can hand over to a computer with 100% accuracy and I hand it to another human being that disrespects the time of a human being, it's a weird way to view it, but for me, that works and it clicks. It makes sense. However, if I've already done that and I cannot hand that over or it's outside of my skill set, then I'm willing to hand it to another human being because what's my other alternative? I still have to get it off my plate. So one, you're going to go automation first, always. 1.5, if you will, you could hire somebody to build the automation for you. By the way, you can do that. Or two, you can hand it off to, to a VA, virtual assistant, whatever, a service. And this is a cool part too, is like, it doesn't always have to be a VA. Everybody's so quick to go to a virtual assistant. Dude, just go to a, go to a service. There are, there are companies that's so crazy, like on-demand, there's on-demand lawyers, on-demand CFOs, on-demand design, like Design Pickle, that's one. There's, there's, a, there's a cool app I've been testing lately called Wing. It's 10 bucks a month or $20 per month. And it is a personal AI assistant. I say AI with asterisks because they do use AI. It's in assistance with humans, but it's fairly cheap. I can go in here and say, hey, find me a restaurant with a Yelp rating of over 4.0 that serves tacos for date night tonight. It will do that. Say, hey, here's our top recommendations. Here's the one we think is the best. Do you want us to book that for you? Yes. Hey, find me an Airbnb between these dates. Great. Do you want us to book it? Yep. How about flights? Yeah, we'll handle that for you too. Using your points. That's 10 bucks a month, dude. <laughs> like Most people can't afford that. And it's in that regard, I'm, I'm happy to hand it over to a, a tool or a service or a person. But to me, I'm just, I'm, I'm losing the lackluster or, or the excitement, should I say, of having like a dedicated virtual assistant. Because one, it can be cheaper to use a service because economies of scale. Two, you're not relying upon one human being that may ghost you, that may get sick for two weeks, that may get the coronavirus. You got a team. People can be switched around. So it's usually cheaper. I mean, there's there's magic. Similar to like fancy hands back in the day, but you pay per usage, okay? It's like, I mean, it's actually rather expensive per hour, but you don't need them 24-7. You don't have to pay them, you know, X salary per month. You only use them when you need to use them for. And they build profiles on you, which a lot of people from a privacy standpoint freak out. I don't. Yes, know that my favorite drink is Coke and not Pepsi. So that I don't have to, you don't have to ask me that again. If it ever comes up, you can see that on profile. You can make that decision for me and we can just move on here. It's amazing. It's so sick. So I wrote this, I, when I was coming up with some cursory notes here before we started talking, I wrote down too much automation question mark. And I, at first Never. I wasn't sure if we were going to ever get to it, but this is actually a really good spot we, to bring it we up. We went straight to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like we, we went, I, we ended up going 
Okay, to, to back up a little bit, before we started talking, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what exactly are we going to talk about? <laughs> like, I, I I have four bullet points. Three of them aren't even related to the category of I this podcast, it. right? Like, I wrote <laughs> I wrote Florida iguanas, coronavirus, too much automation, okay. and new MacBook Airs. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Like, oh my god, I love it. I'd sit here thinking, great. like, these are all cool things to talk about, but are they like, is this even a thing? So we've we've kind of we've we very gracefully got into the too much automation bullet point here in my yeah in my book, and Dylan's very clearly said there's no such thing. Um, yeah. I wonder how his significant other would say, like, if if they were if they were here right now, what would their answer yeah. be? <laughs> she gives me so much crap for it, but. It's so great. So we have this joke. So every time I start geeking out about something, she goes, automations. Because <laughs> I guess it's from a, it's from a meme, I, I think. But, or a friend said it one day and it stuck. But <laughs> she's not that person. She's not a tech person. She's like, I, I don't care. Like I, I had Wing that we were just talking about. I said, hey, can you ask Courtney what she wants for dinner tonight? And she's sitting right next to me. It's, it's totally joking. It asks for her phone number and then and goes, hey, this is Wing on behalf of Dylan. He wants to know what you want for dinner tonight. I was like, yes. Like, you know, I'm a dork. That's what we do. We do weird stuff like that. But she's definitely not that person. Um, I think she's she's evolved, though, over the past, like, probably year and a half we've been dating, where she's starting to see the value in certain little aspects, where she's like, okay, that's kind of cool. That would be kind of nice. But definitely not to my – most people are not – to my extent of one excitement. I'm just going to leave that excitement. It's just great. Um, <laughs> I'll just leave it there. And you don't have to be. I mean, really, most people just don't need to be. But I don't, I don't think there's really too much automation. I really don't. Like, I'm, I'm literally, I had an idea today where I want to insert RFID chips into my clothing and then build a, a tool that, I can build out outfits so I don't have to think about this every single day and just hit a button like in a mobile app and then just have it serve me up the clothes that fit a specific outfit that I've created. Good, done. I don't have to worry about that ever again. Oh, it's hot? Great. Give you a, a t-shirt instead of a long sleeve. Like these are things that are going through my mind where I'm like, I never want to have to pick an outfit ever again. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Yeah. You're like you're 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 literally maybe a step step and a half away from Mark Zuckerberging this and just having one outfit <laughs> that you wear always. I love it. I never yeah. thought I would meet somebody who's actually that close to it, but ugh. which you're, I I understand though. I I wear jeans and a t-shirt every day. I work from home. For everyone who is working from home for the first time, welcome to my world. Um, it's great. You're really going to love it. I, I promise you it'll, you'll come around and you're never going to want to go back to the office it's amazing. again. <laughs> um, so I can, I can relate to not wanting to think too much about clothing, but I don't know if I could ever get that far. Like I, I have, yeah. I have a set that I rotate through, but I don't know if okay. I actually think about it much. Like here we have seasons. Okay. So right. Dylan's in Florida where it's always it's hot and hot. sticky, right? It's wet. Even when it's clear, it's wet. Yeah, that's it. Um, here in Seattle, it's, you know, it gets down to freezing. It's 47 right now, but oh my it was cold last it's like night. like 82. Yeah. So we have seasons. So I have different categories of outfits, not just hot and more hot and less hot. <laughs> um, but beyond that, I really just rotate through a set in that category, right? Like, I don't, I don't think yeah. about it that much. Um, but the, the RFID thing is interesting. Like, I, I have always thought about, it would be nice if I didn't have to 
you know, think about this at all. Like that, that sounds great. Like I, I love stitch. It's so freeing, right? I, I hate shopping for clothes, but okay. I love stitch fix. Okay. Because I can tell them I need this, this kind of genre of thing. Yeah. You know what fits and what doesn't surprise me. And more often than not, it's great. It works. It's yeah. something I would have never bought for myself, but I love it. You know, those, yeah. those kinds of things. I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of room for that in this, in this modern economy. Coronavirus be damned. Exactly. Well, here's the thing. It's friction management. I had this idea the other day. I was like, what is like the unifying theme of all my crazy thoughts? It's friction management. There are things that need to get done that I want to use things like automation or services, tools, whatever, to reduce the friction so that they get done. But the things that I don't want to do, bad habits, whatever, I want to increase the friction, right? So it's like, okay, well, if you don't eat bad food, don't have bad food in the house. You increase the friction. You have to leave to go do that. And well, if you're kind of a jerk like me, you probably don't want to leave your apartment, period. So you don't do that. And if you want to eat healthy, cool, try HelloFresh. I'm literally trying that tomorrow because <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. like, that sounds cool. Like, you know, I have a spreadsheet. I'm like, oh, it's actually cheaper than eating out. I'll do that. It's just, it's like growing up on the Jetsons, right? You're like, man, that just seems so enjoyable. It feels more human. I want more of that. I want to still get a lot of things done, but I want to be able to control it. I want it to be easy. And I I want it to be so difficult for me to do the things that I shouldn't be doing that they just never get done. Like, like by default, if my environment, if my structure, my, you know, my systems are set up correctly, I should just be awesome by default because how could I not? I mean, it's a weird concept, but like to me it works and it makes sense. And so I'm always looking to like, push dude there's literally a machine that came out at ces this year that automatically folds your laundry (laughs) like perfectly i'm like i could never fold laundry ever again like yes okay we need to have a conversation because i'm probably gonna buy that (laughs) well the link is going in the show notes so if you need remote mate it's amazing it's literally the coolest thing ever and it's like two grand tops i'm like (laughs) two grand tops I love I love how you said that, right? Like in my head, I'm thinking, oh God, this is going to be expensive. And he's like, oh, it's two grand tops, right? Like this is this is this. If if there was ever an example of the dichotomy between the average person and Dylan, he's like, <laughs> oh, it's only two thousand dollars to solve my problem. Done. Like, this. but for twenty years, if it lasts twenty years, it's great, right? And that's, I mean, that's the finance guy perspective to it. He's like, oh, okay. True. Well, that's then if so I true. if I amortize this over twenty years, then you know, and the rate of depreciation, and you know, like that's what I'm saying, those are all yeah. the wheels that just spun in his head at that exact moment. You're paying like max a penny per garment to get that thing folded perfectly. There it is. I mean, right there. it's incredible. It, there's there's Roombas for your lawn now, people. This is amazing. I mean. It's it's here. We're, we are here. We have autonomous vehicles. Well, semi. I think they're like, I think level three is the max they actually have that's commercialized right now. But either way, what? That's insane. You can buy a $2,000 kit from comma.ai, put it in your Honda Civic, and it has level two autonomy. That's pretty cheap for level two autonomy. That's plug and play with your Honda Civic. How's that not excitable? I never want to have to think about driving ever again. I want to get in the car, get me there. It's like the closest thing we can get to teleportation. That's all I want. So for those who are <laughs> vehemently against vehicle automation, write to Dylan at Vendrive.com. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
don't worry, I'll set up a zap. So it'll 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 see if it contains anything and it will automatically be archived and deleted. Thank you. Move on. There it is. Dylan's gonna outright ignore you. I love it. It's like the suggestion box that like feeds into the paper shredder. <laughs> it's the digital version of that. Yes. yes. See? Skill sets, people, skill sets. This is why it matters.